Welcome to Your Health Guide, your how-to prescription for better health, translating cutting-edge research for your everyday life. Join naturopath and health educator Lawrence Katsaris for practical tips and insights to help you on your wellness journey. Thanks again for joining me on Your Health Guide. I'm Lawrence Katsaris. Have you been trying to lose weight through diet or exercise programs but struggle to maintain the motivation and are constantly feeling like it's an uphill battle? Well, did you know that weight loss success doesn't rely on sheer willpower and determination alone? Because when we think about losing weight, we often think about the diet and the exercise aspects, which are important, don't get me wrong. But equally as important as that are the habits that we create to help us follow this new lifestyle. Because it turns out there's actually habits that predict weight loss success. And people who use these techniques lose more weight and keep it off for longer. Now I know that sounds too good to be true, but it's a fact and there's a science around it and that's what we're here to talk about on the show today. So I'm joined by naturopath Naomi Danaher who spent years implementing health initiatives into communities and understands the importance of practical steps to support change. Because when you're on a weight loss program, you're trying to incorporate a whole bunch of new behaviours into your life and that stuff doesn't happen by itself. So Naomi shares with us the core habits that you can easily use to help achieve your weight loss goals. Naomi walks us through how self-monitoring is the centerpiece for behavior change, and by doing so will dramatically increase your weight loss success. So she'll explain to you what you need to monitor, how often, and how you can do that. And trust me, this stuff works. It might seem simple, but it's really powerful, so don't overlook it. We also speak about the importance of regular contact with a professional who can keep you accountable and help you problem solve issues that come up along the way. But don't worry, that stuff doesn't have to be expensive or time consuming. Now I think this episode is really important for anyone wanting to start or stay on a weight loss program. Because weight loss is not just a battle for the body, it needs support from your mind. And the simple strategies we discuss in this episode will enhance your efforts and help you achieve your weight loss goals. I hope you enjoy the episode. Naomi, thanks so much for joining me. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Now, in previous episodes, I've been speaking with naturopath Nathan Rose about specific dietary, lifestyle and exercise programs that can help us lose weight effectively and sustain that weight loss. But there's another huge component that's important for helping us to lose that weight and keep it off in the long term, isn't there? Yes, and that's behavioral change. Even if you could take a magic pill and that evaporated excess weight, if you continue with your regular habits and pick up calorie-dense takeaway on the way home or you're physically inactive, you're likely to end up in the same place that you started. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always got, right? Absolutely. So when we're trying to change that behavior, which is our diet and which is our lifestyle, we need to not just be relying on sheer willpower alone because I think a lot of people try and persevere and just think it's about the discipline, but that's not necessarily the case. No, that's unrealistic. Uh, We don't have an endless source of willpower, unfortunately, because we all have bad days and we might lose interest in our diet or it may just all seem too difficult sometimes. So how is it that we can facilitate that behavioural change? Are there particular habits or things that we need to be doing is it saying mantras and affirmations or what I mean what are we talking about here 
Yeah, so if we look at the research, we see that comprehensive lifestyle interventions can result in significant weight loss. For example, there was this huge trial involving about 5,000 people uh, in the Look Ahead study, and individuals assigned to an intensive lifestyle intervention lost an average of 8.6% of their initial weight, whereas people assigned to usual care, which was just catching up with their primary care physician a few times a year, only lost 0.7% of their initial weight. Now, to take those stats into reality for people, like an 8% reduction of their body weight is significant. Like when we start talking about even up to around 10%, so that 8 10% sort of reduction is typically what a lot of people are trying to aim for as their ideal weight reduction. So taking that in terms of this comprehensive lifestyle intervention, they were getting a significant weight reduction compared to the people just doing the usual care, losing 0.7%. That's not very much. No. So no. The, the secret involved in that is what? It's involving a series of ingredients. So not only caloric restriction and regular exercise, but in addition to that, regular contact with an interventionist, which could be a healthcare provider, for example, uh, educational information and presentations, self-monitoring, and then some components to help people adhere to the intervention. And that might be a structured curriculum of behaviour change that involves problem solving with their interventionist. Now, this is where we start to get into the specifics because from my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that what I've seen is that if people are following these you know, behavioural techniques to help them implement change, and from what you're saying in these studies, is that we're seeing that you can nearly predict someone's success. Like if you've got someone who's going to be on an exercise and a diet program, or you've got someone who's going to be on an exercise and a diet program, as well as incorporating some of these techniques that you're talking about, they're going to have greater success with their weight loss. And you can generally predict that within a year, they're going to be of a lower weight than someone who's just following diet and exercise alone, isn't it? Yes, yes. So that's profound. So essentially, we need to be making sure that we're combining that third aspect to our weight loss program. So let's get into the details of this now. You mentioned uh, regular contact. You mentioned self-monitoring. Like where, where's the best place for us to start with this? Yeah, great question. So if we were to translate these learnings into real life, we would see regular contact as catching up with a practitioner, for example, ideally weekly. Although in some cases that might not be possible. So fortnightly for the first six months would be ideal. And a great way to do this is actually by the use of apps. For example, the Shake It app has a dashboard attached where a practitioner can see how you're going with your physical activity and your diet. And they could just send you an email and say, look, I can see that you're going really well in this regard or I can see that you've hit a wall here and that allows that opportunity to have contact with your practitioner over a period of time. Now I'm so glad that you mentioned this because as soon as you start saying weekly fortnightly I start thinking wow this is time consuming and costly for me if I'm trying to go on a, a weight loss program and I know myself and other practitioners love to use such apps so they can basically keep that communication alive with the patient but doesn't mean that they need to be able to have to come in every week necessarily. Now, you've mentioned the Shake It app, which is 
tied in with the shake it weight management program that Nathan was also talking about that has been created, which is a nice, easy way for patients to be able to basically, as you're saying, put in all their food, can't they? I can put in all the food that I'm eating. I can put in where my exercises are. And then as the practitioner, you can log in, see what I've been up to and send me a quick little message or a motivational thing or how's it all going and, and making sure that I'm, I'm staying on track. But to step back a little bit, what is the importance of regular contact? Is it just that I need someone overseeing me there, someone to kind of constantly be cracking the whip or what's the, what's the goal that we're looking at for regular contact there? Well, the research shows that with more contact, you're, you're likely to stick to an intervention. So you're more likely to stick to that diet or that exercise program. So it may be just having the opportunity to uh, catch up with someone who, who helps keep you accountable uh, to your goals and can use your self-monitoring records such as like you're saying your diet or your physical activity to keep you in check because otherwise it's very easy for us to just kind of slide off the rails isn't it so if that looks like as you're saying speaking with a healthcare practitioner and consulting with them maybe on a weekly fortnightly basis now it doesn't have to be forever it's sort of you can establish this in more in the short term potentially there's more frequency required then yeah it would be great uh to have that kind of contact quite intense for the first six months and then from six to twelve months you could catch up with them fortnightly or monthly and group sessions could actually be a great option for the long term uh, and what you want to do is really maintain this. Uh, and when I say long term, I mean years. So that might be that you find a local community group that you can meet with monthly from one year to five years, just to keep you in check, keep you on track, and you can build relationships. I mean, peer relationships have been shown to be really important for lasting weight loss as well. And because people are motivating each other and they're going through the same challenges, maybe sharing dietary tips and recipes. It's that network and community is really been shown to be important. And yeah, they're problem solving. Yeah, yeah, problem solving together, which yeah. is a great thing as well. And I think it's probably just important to re- remind our listeners at this point that when we're talking about the long term, I mean, some of us may think, oh God, is it going to take me that long to be able to lose the weight? But I guess coming back to what Nathan and I were talking about in previous episodes is it's about that long-term maintenance of that weight, isn't it? It's mm. not saying that it's necessarily going to take you a year to lose the weight. You might lose that weight in six or eight weeks or 12 weeks or whatever. It's about making sure that in a year and in two years, you're still of that lower weight. Mm. And Nathan was talking about ways that we can support our body to be able to keep that weight off. But I like what you're bringing in here now is there's also techniques that we need to be able to utilize so that we can stay on the straight and narrow, I guess, for one of a better terms, so that we don't then derail ourselves and end up consuming those fast foods or falling back into an unhealthy lifestyle, etc. Yeah, absolutely. So regular contact, keeping frequent, especially for that sort of six week um, or sorry, six month intensity in the acute periods and then looking at maintaining that for longer and using groups i know that social media will that work as well yeah absolutely yeah you could use um there's lots of facebook groups around uh that you could also use and um again connect with your friends or have a look online for other resources for that regard 
So what's the difference of making contact? Like if I have an exercise buddy and we're both on this weight loss program and we keep ourselves accountable because we both say we're going to turn up at the gym on these particular days and we're checking in with what we're eating with our diet daily. What's the difference between having that regular contact with a buddy versus having that regular contact with a practitioner? What's the practitioner? I know that as a practitioner myself, I'm then able to problem solve with the patient or I'm then able to interview um, to find out their motivational um, aspects. Is there, do you kind of differentiate what a practitioner can offer as regular contact versus what peers can offer? Well, I suppose a practitioner's would be a practitioner would be working with some other clients in this regard and is probably more skilled at working with problem solving and they uh, may be more aware of stimulus control techniques that the patient can use obviously they're going to have an idea of their health status as well and there may be areas that they can help address in that regard Uh, whereas I guess with your buddies while they can help you be accountable if you're both feeling a little bit tired one day and someone says oh let's just skip the gym and go and get a drink instead you might be more likely to give in Mm. your practitioner is not going to say that to you no hopefully not (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) and I guess sometimes it can be like the blind lead in the blind if you've got your buddy working with you they may not have the best dietary advice to be able to provide to you where the practitioner could or there could there'd be other aspects so yeah that's I think that's a thank you for answering that it seems an obvious point but it just um, sort of seemed to come up to me so outside of regular contact what else is it that we need to be what are tools that we can be working with or techniques that we can use Yep. So in research, they typically will call these behavior change techniques. And we've talked about self-monitoring. That's a really popular one. That's actually being called the centerpiece of behavioral change. And like we've already kind of covered, that involves recording your food and beverage intake, um, as well as the places or even emotions associated with your food intake intake because that can help pick up if you're uh, just emotional eating in response to something that's happened during your day and that helps you recognize that and change that habit. Um, It's also important to recognize that it's not about being really accurate with your food or beverage records. It's about increasing awareness of the food that you're eating and assisting with making food choices in that regard. So, okay, so self-monitoring and specifically you're talking about food and writing down my diet. So how, how do you recommend that we do this? Okay, so you can use the Shake It app that we've covered already. Uh, there's also apps like MyFitnessPal that a lot of people are familiar with. If you're not so app savvy, you could also use just a paper diary. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm wanting to write down everything that I'm consuming. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing down the times that I'm doing that. And then you're saying it's probably even worth just making a note about some any basic emotions. Like we don't need to be doing major emotional no, journaling, I'm guessing. No, but, you know, all. maybe if you were stressed when you're eating yeah. at lunch, um, you know, or um, if you're feeling fairly neutral, you just don't write anything. But if you're stressed or if you were tired or if you were strung out, maybe making note of that. Yeah, and recognizing those patterns. Um, and as a result, this can help instill some behavioral change if you're picking that up. Uh, also it's important to note that you're recording your physical activity as well Mm -hmm. and your weight. Okay. So 
just writing down that you went to the gym or do you want to get more specific about that or that yeah, what probably, you did specifically as a yeah, training? Yeah, yeah. What, specific, uh, what specific kind of training you did and how long you exercised for. Okay, great. And then how often should we be checking our weight like every day or a couple of times a week or... Yeah, great question. So while you're losing weight, once a week is absolutely fine. And you might also be doing that when you catch up with your practitioner. And in the long term, it's quite good to record your weight more often. So that might be oh, at least twice weekly, if not daily, because then you can respond to any changes in your weight. Mm. So initially, I think that something that I've read and seen is that initially when someone's in that weight loss period, are you saying just to do it once a week or is more okay in that initial acute period? More is okay, but just keep in mind that you might be disheartened by any minor changes that you see there. So during that period, look, I would recommend just weighing yourself once a week. Once a week. Okay. And then once you start to get down to the weight that you want to stay at, then start to look at sort of twice a week or maybe three times a week to at least, as you're saying, you have shorter periods of time in between that. So if you start to, for whatever reason, your diet um, falls a little bit off the track, you're going to pick that up within a couple of days if you're starting to put that weight back on. Yep. It's about responding to those changes as quickly as possible. Yeah, nice. I think this is really interesting because I had a patient recently who was renovating the bathroom and because of that, everything kind of got packed away and so their scales got put away and it was during that two-week period that they then started to put on their weight again. But because they weren't weighing themselves a couple of times a week, they didn't notice until it was kind of too late, until it was two weeks down the track. And it was a nice reminder to me about how important it is to be encouraging self-monitoring because I saw it and heard it from them directly about when that wasn't happening, they fell off the wagon and started to um, put that weight back on. And it took you know two weeks until I then started to... Um, reorientate themselves back to the getting back on the right diet, etc. Mm. And so, that's sorry, that's a great learning for that individual as well. Yeah, it was really, and then through that, they also recognised how important it is to be making sure it's not just a nice thing to do. It's while it's a, a bit of a scorecard, I think that we do well off. We're kind of conditioned with short-term score checks in our life. Like you know, we're constantly seeing ways that we get an assessment of something and that helps keep us motivated, I suppose, and help keeps us encouraged and and persevering. The value of self-monitoring. The value of (laughs) self-monitoring, yes, definitely. Okay, so regular contact, self-monitoring, and the self-monitoring looks like writing down what we're consuming in our foods. So whether that's doing apps through like the Shake It app or MyFitnessPal, probably two great ones. And then the um, writing down our, taking notice of our weight, Another thing I would just add in, I sometimes like to get our patients to uh, take their waist circumference as well and maybe doing that once or twice a week. I can find the two of those. The weight may not shift, but they might find the waist circumference is going down a little bit. So that's another one I might add in there if that's okay with you. Mm-hmm. And then we're looking at um, also taking note of our exercise. Is there anything else that we need to be self-monitoring? You mentioned maybe sleep can sometimes maybe be useful. Maybe sleep, yeah. If, if, that, um, if that's an issue for you, that could be a good one also to keep note of as well. 
because yeah, this can have a significant impact on your ability to weight lose weight and yeah. maintain your weight. So if you're recognizing that you're not getting adequate sleep, perhaps looking at some techniques to improve your sleep hygiene may be worthwhile as well. Yeah, so adequate sleep is seven to eight hours a night, and when you're talking about sleep hygiene, we're talking about uh, habits that we can use to improve our sleep onset our sleep quality um you know not watching tv and sitting in front of screens before um we go to sleep etc okay nice now what other habits or techniques can we be using or have they found is successful to help people change their behavior okay well another one that is recommended is problem solving and this is ideal uh this is where it's important actually to be working with a practitioner because a Practitioner can work through problem-solving steps with you. And these steps involve uh, describing the problem, brainstorming some potential solutions, picking an option to try, then making a positive action plan, exactly how you're going to address that problem, and then coming back with your practitioner and evaluating the success of that action plan together. Nice, nice. And then I find that with that action plan, You can also keep a bit of a focus for the week of, okay, we're going to focus on resolving that particular problem. You know, like you've been renovating the bathroom, so let's get the scales out. Let's make sure you've got the scales so that you can now continue to self-monitor. And that might be one problem that we've solved for that week. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Another uh, popular one to use is stimulus control techniques. And this is because our environment is replete with cues to consume. So we have so much advertising. Uh, We even have little messages coming up on Instagram and Facebook and things like that. And so what you can do uh, is, for example, not eat in front of the TV or not sit down to a meal with someone who perhaps eats uh, an enormous amount of food because that may mean that you're more likely to overeat. Avoiding driving by mcdonald's on the way home if you're feeling really hungry so figuring out what your stimulus could be that trigger you to consume foods that you shouldn't be consuming or consuming too much of that particular food and so some of that may be if i'm just sitting in front of the tv and i'm seeing advertising for foods that just look tasty even though i'm not hungry i may want to eat foods because it's triggering my appetite or i may just be eating and I'm not really paying attention to what I'm eating, so I'm then going to end up consuming more. Or if I'm out with people or eating with people that eat larger meals, I'm going to tend to eat a little bit more. Or like you're saying, am I driving home or do I walk past this place for lunch, etc. that gets me seeing this food and just tempts me. So mm. figure out those triggers for the stimulus and then try to work out how not to have them in your life, which I guess also links back to problem solving right your practitioner can help you do that yes and also links back to self-monitoring because if you're keeping note of what you're eating and where you're eating and why you're eating it then you can pick up well actually I can see in my diary that every Tuesday I drive past my favorite Italian restaurant and I end up picking it up and why is that and it may be through working through the problem solving steps that you recognize that every Tuesday you have six meetings and you always skip lunch and there we go we've identified a few different reasons why you might be more inclined to overeat a huge bowl of pasta every Tuesday yeah definitely I can see how all of these are interconnected and they start to support each other and really how working with these aspects to help facilitate change in our behavior 
helps us adhere to our diet and our lifestyle program for the long term. Yes, and there's lots of these techniques that you can use. Another big one is goal setting, uh, which again can work really well with your practitioner to establish some SMART goals. And there's also mindfulness, which is an emerging technique that has been shown to be really useful with eating behaviours such as external eating, so eating in response to those cues that we were just talking about, or emotional eating. Nice, and I know that then also talking about practitioners is the importance of a lot of the things that I'll do with patients is sitting down and what that technique of motivational interviewing that I know we're both familiar with in terms of finding out their why like why is it that you're really wanting to lose that weight and how we can tap into the motivation for the real causes that you want to do it so that can keep you orientated and persevering through those difficult times as well are there any other behavioral techniques or habits that you like to utilize for enhancing behavioral change no those are probably the main ones that i use i think like you said motivational interviewing can be really important um, to establish uh, someone's ambivalence for change and how willing they are to make those changes and really yeah like you said find that intrinsic motivation yeah okay great so some of those i know like goal setting and motivational interviewing or finding your internal motivation uh, a little bit more detailed. So I'd love to probably dive into some detail on them in their own particular episodes. So I think it's been really helpful at this point. It's loud and clear that you're telling us that for us to be able to sustain our change in our diet and follow our exercise and lifestyle programs, there's a couple of really important techniques and tools that we can utilize to facilitate that change. And from what the studies show and from what we see in clinical practice is that you can get someone to follow those programs in the short term and they can get some results. But if we can provide longer lasting change, these behavioral implementation techniques are basically predictors. The more that we can do that, the more that we can utilize self-monitoring, having regular contact with a practitioner, problem solving, identifying stimulus and triggers that could be contributing to our eating or derailing of our lifestyle and working with practitioners to be able to support these behavioral changes can help to totally change the way that we approach weight loss. Does that pretty much capture it up? Well said, really well said, because it's all all about instilling long-term behavior change. And then that way it doesn't feel like we're pushing it uphill, that we can follow that for the long term and we can get long-term success with ease and we can lose that weight and keep it off which is exactly what we all want yeah which is the ultimate goal so thank you so much for walking us through that naomi and tune in in our future episodes where we'll talk through some of these in some more detail and how we can get specific about implementing some of these other techniques in our life great thank you thanks for listening to your health guide Any resources or links discussed in the episode can be found at metagenics.com.au. To help you continue on your health journey, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you found this episode useful, please rate and review us. If you have any questions about how this information could relate to your health condition, please go and speak to your natural healthcare practitioner who can provide you with specific advice for your health needs.